0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. He's covered the big events and talked to the biggest names in sports for more than three decades. Freeze, end zone, he hit 500 career touchdown passes. From Super Bowls to the World Series, he's been there, he'll be there, and he's here now for CMI, the Chris Myers interview. It's great to have John McClain, the writer for the Houston Chronicle, on with us today. Uh, topicality, well, a lot going on around the NFL. We'll get to post-season games. Uh, we'll start where he writes. He covers the NFL. He's, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame writer, uh, covering sports for nearly five decades. John, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's been a busy offseason. We're going to start with Houston. There's a lot of job openings around the NFL. And before we get to that, the Deshaun Watson, what has come out of that, trying to sort out the star quarterback had a terrific season, what's accurate, what's not, about him having a voice in the next head coach, the Houston Texans. What can you tell us?
1: Chris, first of all, there's no way. Absolutely no way the Texans will trade Deshaun Watson. He's coming off a great season. He had his season best in every statistic, led the league in a couple of statistics like yards, average per attempt, even without DeAndre Hopkins and with Will Fuller missing the last five games because of a suspension. Whoever they put out there, he made them look good. And so they waited a long time to get their franchise quarterback. They signed him to $156 million extension and he wants to win a Lombardi trophy that's his goal that's what he tells everybody I want to be legendary and I want to win a Lombardi trophy Uh, before the end of the season in which they finished 4-12 after winning the AFC South fourth time in five years beating Buffalo in the playoffs and leading Kansas City 24-0 in Kansas City in the divisional round a lead that they blew and lost by 20 everything looked Uh, positive for this season. Then it all fell apart under Bill O'Brien. He was fired four games into the season. And I got to point out, I have never seen a schedule like the Texans had. They they played five teams that finished in first place. The teams that beat them were 57 games over 500. Because of Watson, they played close games. They were two and eight in one score games. And they lost two games to Tennessee on the last play against Indianapolis. They got to the Colts' two-yard line in the last minute of both games and lost fumbles. So people that think they were as bad as their record. there's some other things that go into that record. And so Watson had no running game. He got sacked 49 times. Some were his fault, but he escaped a lot of other sacks. But uh, as they continued to lose near the end of the season, Watson and Jay J. Watt didn't hesitate to express their frustration. And so Watson met with the owner, Cal McNair. They talked a couple of times, according to Watson, and he said Cal McNair would keep him abreast of what's going on. Now, it came out nationally he's not happy with the Casario hire. No, that's not the case. He's unhappy. One of the reasons is because they didn't let him know keep him informed like he thought he was going to be kept informed and then he wanted to have input in the head coaching search and that's Nick Casario's baby he started work Monday he's got his own list of clients he I mean of, of candidates he hasn't met with Watson maybe they've talked by now I don't know but Watson's goal is to hoist the Lombardi trophy as he told us Casario has hoisted six He's got six replicas, six rings, and I think when he talks to Watson, he'll say to Sean, you want to win a Lombardi trophy? I know how to do it. It starts with a quarterback. You're our quarterback. Let's turn this thing around together, and Watson will be okay.
0: These aren't the days of Michael Jordan. Should the quarterback have, I don't know, a say, a voice? It's one thing to be informed, but, I mean, not even Aaron Rodgers did they check with him on who he wanted to hire.
1: Well I think what they do uh like it uh near the end of the season he was asked about Eric Bienemy and they play against Bienemy every year twice last year and he said I don't know him I've met him on the field after the games but he said great things about him I asked him about Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator, knows more about this team than anybody because he goes against them twice a year and three times in 2018. So he said really good things about Eberflus. He's a good kid. He is a good person. Watson is. He says good things about everybody. It was only in his last Zoom that he, without naming Jack Easterby, the controversial executive vice president of football operations. And when he said there's some people in this organization think they have more power than they do. And without mm-hmm. naming he used to be, we knew that what he was talking about. So he told Cal McNair what he thought about coaches. He wanted to know, was McNair looking offense, defense? He told him, we're looking for the best coach. He said, I'll keep you up to date. He didn't say you got to sign off on it or you get to hire the coach. It's just I'll keep you up to date. And now that Casario is running the show, he's the one that before he hires a coach, well, I'm sure he'll let Watson know, this is what we're thinking about doing. What do you think? And if he says I'd rather have somebody else, they're going to hire the person that they think is best for this organization. And Casario has never hired a coach because he's only known – one in his 20 years with the Patriots, but he's got a lot of connections because of everything he did with the Patriots. As Bill Belichick's right-hand man, he, he was over contracts. He was over scouting. Belichick signed off on everything as they as the, having control of everything, but he's got a lot of connections with agents, coaches, so I have confidence he'll make the right call.
0: All right. I'll go over some names in a moment, but you've established that Deshaun Watson is not going anywhere. I think people had fun with the rumors and it was ridiculously out of hand. But let's come back since you've covered football for a lot of years uh, from and around the league, not just the team in Houston where you're based. Were you surprised that uh, Doug Peterson is let go in Philadelphia and that they're keeping Matt Nagy in Chicago?
1: I'm not surprised at either one. Now he's made the playoffs again. I know they were 8-8. Eight eight. People were disappointed in the season overall. Uh, Ryan Pace is staying. Uh, they've got to get another quarterback. Now Nick Foles played great for half, three-fourths of the season or half. No, it was less than that. A quarter of the season in the playoffs and the Super Bowl, but it hadn't worked out in Chicago. Maybe it will next year. They got to get another quarterback. Trubisky's not going back there. I don't think they would want him anyway. And as far as Doug Peterson, that got so ugly at the end, Chris. It. I thought, man, there's a coach every year who gets fired. We're not expecting it this could be it because it was so bad about that way it ended. And I felt bad for Pete Peterson, but if he wants to get another job and he has two years left on his contract, if he wants to get one of these jobs, I'm pretty sure he could, but he may want to take a year off like Mike, Mike McCarthy, spend time with his family Uh Get the old juice back and the energy, and then come back next year. And uh, he's, he, uh, because he's going to have plenty of money. If I had a chance to take a year off and make millions of dollars, I certainly would do it.
0: I, I thought you've been doing that for years in the media I, I, I'm just, Hey, I'm you're just,
1: exposing me Don't give it away, Chris
0: I'm just kidding, you've been doing uh, between writing and uh, radio and uh, helping other people out and of course you're on the, the, the Pro Football the Hall of Fame the, the selection committee or the veterans committee which we can get to, so that's interesting How about the, the Urban Meyer in, in Jacksonville gaining steam I'm a, a fan of Urban personally I know the people from his college days never coached in the, in the NFL do, do you see that happening
1: there's a report today in NFL media that he's talked to the Chargers I wouldn't blame him if he was interested in going to the Chargers and coaching Justin Herbert and the weapons that he has plus they have some defensive talent instead of starting totally over with the Jaguars. Something that would concern me about Jacksonville, since they went to the AFC Championship game and almost beat the Patriots, they've gone downhill. And one reason is so many players have wanted out of there. What was the reason? Uh, They changed coaches and GMs. They brought in Tom Coughlin, that didn't work out. But players, a lot of star players are not happy there because they don't get paid what they think they should get paid, so they bailed. Now, who's to say this next group won't feel the same way? And some of those players who were with the Jaguars are now like Jalen Ramsey, still in the playoffs, trying to help their team get to the Super Bowl. Where the Chargers, if, you know, you live in L.A., you know that, what it's like out there, your state income taxes, the traffic, the other problems with living in God's country. <laughs> and uh, maybe he would rather be there, but maybe he's be more interested in the small town of Jacksonville, having all those draft choices. But I know this, I can't imagine he's going to take a job if he doesn't have control of personnel. And uh, something I found very interesting, Chris, uh, it got out at uh end of the season that University of Texas, some big shot billionaires reached out to him and he said, no, he was not ready to come back at L and he used health issues. And so that made me think at the time, at the time he wouldn't come back. But then when the Jacksonville stuff surfaced, it made me think he was already in contact with Khan, Con, the owner about uh, going to the Jaguars.
0: Yeah, you're right about the control and you know look, remember he coached at Florida, Gainesville living out there so he knows that part of uh, in terms of a smaller it's not a college you'd be in the NFL but but as you said a smaller environment the Chargers don't have much of an identity I mean you're right about Herbert and the talent there and you're playing at a new stadium and the number the number two market it always intrigues me what drives some people to take jobs who have choices out there uh, what, what do you hear about the Jets and I know Robert Sala has interviewed the 49er defensive coordinator in a number of places um, and we heard his name first with Detroit but now maybe the Jets are on him uh, do you have a sense of what the jets want to do
1: a lot of people thought that they would hire an offensive coach obviously joe douglas is going to hire the best coach robert sala who coached here six years the last season of dom capers in 05 and five years with gary kubiak and robert was pretty far down he started at the very bottom but he was here six years and i was hoping they would reach out to him a lot of people liked him they didn't do it last week uh uh, which I, and there's something I don't understand, Chris. The Texans interviewed Marvin Lewis, Jim Caldwell, and Joe Brady with their search committee, even though they said the general manager was going to hire the coach. So here comes Nick Casario. He comes in Monday. He's got his own list. And if he's interested in talking to Brady – or Marvin Lewis, or Jim Caldwell, he's got to interview him again. And then if they make the finals, the last list, he's going to have to interview him another time. So Salas on his second. He's got other opportunities. I hope Robert gets a, another job. He's very deserving. I just wish it were going to be in Houston.
0: Yeah, if you had to talk about who the right fit in for the Texans, what's your sense, knowing – Deshaun Watson, knowing Casario, and wh- whatever control Easterby has, you know the owner, Cal McNair. You've at least dealt with him firsthand. And there's, I, I don't think because of Watson, I know the defense, and we can go through personnel, they may seem far away. But as you pointed out, when you have Watson, you always have a chance. So with the right coach, it you could be a, it, it could be a quick, quicker turnaround than most.
1: First of all, I've thought from the get-go that they, either the general manager or the head coach would be a minority. I think that's important to the owner of Cal McNair. His dad hired Rick Smith. He was a GM for 12 years. They had all all kinds of jobs filled by African Americans, VPs, senior VPs, and and so I think that's important. And I and, and I don't know who Nick Casario wants to hire. What kind of coach he wants to hire? I know this. He wants to hire someone who can help him unite the building get people fired up about coming to work again. They're tired of the controversy. They're tired of working walking on eggshells, as they did when Bill O'Brien was around there. They don't want divisiveness. They want togetherness and everybody working for the common good, which is to trying to build a Super Bowl team. So that relationship with the GM and the coach, the communication is paramount. And uh, so I think I – think, I know they like Jim Caldwell a lot. Jim turned 66 this week. He's got two Super Bowl rings. If you can go 11-5, 9-7, 9, and 7, 9 7 in Detroit, that's pretty impressive. But he's been out for health reasons a couple of years, and I don't know it'll be Jim. But I know he made a good impression. So did Joe Brady. But if they are in Casario's list, he's going to have to interview them separately, and ultimately. I don't know. It's not necessarily offense or defense. They want the guy that Nick Casario is the best to share the vision they have with owner Cal McNair. McNair gives them a lot of money. He stays out of it. He lets the GM and the coach make the decisions. Casario will have final say over all personnel. The head coach will be in co- charge of the coaching staff and the game day roster. And hopefully they'll work together. Well, because we've had too much behind-the-scenes strife for too many years.
0: So the jobs, Atlanta, Detroit, the Jets, the Jags, Philly, the Chargers, Houston. It's a lot of openings. Uh, What are the chances a college guy? And some names have been mentioned, and we saw what happened in in Carolina last year. What are the chances a college guy gets the jump up to the NFL in that group?
1: As a Baylor alum, I always knew Matt Mm Rule wanted to go to the NFL. He, he was no bones about it. He wanted to go to the NFL. He'd been an assistant coach one season under Tom Coughlin. So it was a matter of where he was going to go. We all thought he was going back to the Giants. And then the Panthers offered him so much money and so much control. There was no way he could turn that down. Other than Pat Fitzgerald at uh,
0: Northwestern, Northwest.
1: yeah. I, somebody said they reached out to Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. Riley was given no <laughs> indication that he Mm. wants to coach in the NFL. Mm. If he did, I think the Cowboys would have hired him last year because I know they reached out to him. Mm. Uh, Fitzgerald, there's talk from the national media that teams are interested, but I haven't seen any team reach out to him. And Meyer, of course, is not a current coach. He's a former coach. So I think most want NFL experience, whether it's a college coach who used to be in the NFL, like Matt Rule, or somebody currently as a coordinator because uh the league is so uh complex today. I think having NFL experience is very important. And if it Chris if it's a if it's a first year coach like here, right. I've been advocating now for weeks to keep Romeo Cornell. Hopefully the next head coach here will want to keep Romeo Cornell. He's one of the most respected and liked people I've ever met in football I'd love to see him stick around we ask him after the season he said it depends on who the coach is if he wants to keep me if we kind of if we have the same vision so I'm hoping that new coach wants an experienced 10 like Romeo Cornell on his staff and i Jim Caldwell's another one if he's not the head coach I might want him as offensive coordinator assistant head coach
0: we're talking with John McLean, five decades in the business from writing, and he still does writing and radio. What's the what have you found over the years? And we've seen a change in newspaper and social media, electronic media, and radio, TV. The coverage of sports. What what do sports fans want the most? Is it is it information? Is it entertainment? What from your standpoint?
1: I think they want to be informed. They want to be entertained. And my biggest problem with journalism is their or so many in the journalism business who are not trained for journalism. And too often people are just trying to get clicks on the internet. And I know that's important because advertising is driven by the traffic you get when people look at your stories. There's no accountability. I see just based on the text and so much misinformation out there. And a lot of it's my friends of mine and I try not to shoot it down. I ignore it. Unless it's something really big and I have to, I never mention the person who did it because you know people could be doing it with me. But uh, people put stuff out there could, would, may, might. And then if it doesn't happen, they can say, "Hey, I was right. They just didn't do it." And I understand that's the direction it's gone. We have a policy and an editor at the Chronicle. We can write, like, Chris, if I wanted to write a column and rip you up one side down the other, I could do it. If I wanted to talk to everybody who's worked with you and offered them total anonymity to say anything about Chris Myers you want, somewhere along the line in your career, I would imagine there's somebody that might (laughs) say negative stuff. The Chronicle will not do that. We do not run negative quotes anonymously about people. If somebody wants to rip them and they have the guts to do it with their name, we'll run it and we can rip them ourselves. But we just don't do that. And I, we may be the only organization in the country that doesn't because I see so many anonymous sources ripping people. And maybe, I am guess I'm just old school. I'm old. I've been doing this 49th year that that I like to think I have some ethics and I like to think, although a lot of the readers don't think that, and I like to think I got some credibility for building it over time. And as I tell readers, I don't write because somebody wants me to write that way. I write what I think and what I believe I know. And if I tell somebody absolutely, like the Sean Watson is not going to get traded, I know it. If I don't know it, I'll say I don't know it. And there's a lot of things I don't know right
0: now. Well, your information has been accurate over the years because of your sources, and, and if you didn't know it, you would you would tell people. I, know, I go back even to when we were covering drafts at ESPN and and, and other NFL teams, and I think it's uh, your credibility speaks for itself being in the uh, honored at the Pro Football Hall of Fame and on the, on we've the known, selection. This no. is the
1: 25th year we've known each other, and the first time I heard from you, you were at ESPN, and you told me that the Oilers were one of the teams you had to stay on top of before the draft. And I believe no, it was ninety five. And I remember telling you with the third overall pick, they're gonna draft Steve McNair because I knew it. But the next year I told you it's gonna be Eddie George, the Ohio State running back. And I was sure of it. And then Floyd Reese, the general manager, traded down in the first round. And I'm in the media room and I go ballistic and nobody can understand why. Why is the big deal? And I and I said, Well, number one, I told Chris Myers that they were gonna draft him and I put him in my mock draft. And then when Floyd traded back up to get him, I was tremendously relieved.
0: Yes, you made me look good on, on a number of occasions. And, and also, you know, I was trained to have a, a second source before you were to report anything. And, and you were always either the first one or the confirming source on a couple of other, uh, there were even some lesser uh, deals in the draft. I remember there was a trade that uh, that our producer was really, uh, Fred Godelli, who does Sunday Night Football, was uh, running the draft for ESPN. But we were, yeah, we were very much on top of it before the draft became a, as big as it is as it is now. Ask you about the, the Hall of Fame and, uh, and and the Veterans Committee. I'm not sure the influence you have there. Roman Gabriel, to me. It's a fascinating case of uh, a guy who I think deserves to be in from what I and I don't just look at numbers. I You know, you, there's always the eye test. I think if you go back historically for those or the players who played with him and against them uh, o- over time, uh, where are you on getting veterans in who maybe missed their their window because they didn't have the numbers or didn't have the Super Bowl rings or, or weren't in the uh, in the limelight as much?
1: I'm on the selection committee. I'm on the seniors committee. I'm on the coaches committee, which was a new one that started uh, this past season. And uh, I'm not on the uh, contributor committee. And I was on the centennial committee, which was uh, one of a kind in which we, in honor of the 100-year celebration of the NFL, I got to be on a committee with, think about this, Bill Belichick, John Madden, Ron Wolf, Bill Polian, Dick wow. LeBeau, Gil Brandt, uh, it was amazing the history that we had. We did conference calls every week. Then we went to Canton for two days, and it was such an honor wow. to listen to those guys talk about Hall of Famers and kick it around. And it was the next to be the, – the greatest honors I've had was getting – put in the Pro Football of Fame, Texas Sports Hall of Fame, and being on that that centennial committee. And every year, Chris, it is so hard to reduce the list of finalists and then to determine who's going to get in. It's an enormous responsibility. It's a privilege. It's almost a no-win situation because somebody, some teams – Fans, the family are going to be upset because we didn't put their candidate or their family member in. And to me, still, the seniors is the toughest category that we do because there are so many deserving candidates. One year, five of us were in Canton. They bring in every year two Hall of Famers to help us. This year, it was that year, it was Art Schell and Carl Eller one of the greatest offensive tackles and one of the greatest defensive fans. And we get to go to dinner the night before we get to spend hours with them. And that is such an honor to be there and listen to them. But we had that year because of ties instead of 15 finalists, we had 22 and the two that made it one who I had promoted Oilers outside linebacker, Robert Brazil, Dr. Doom, and the other one, Jerry Kramer. And when we call Robert Brazil, he was crying like a baby. We couldn't get Jerry because Jerry had been bypassed for decades, so he's not going to sit around by the phone (laughs) waiting for somebody to call to, to, to make a call he didn't expect. And, of course, it was by long time overdue for Jerry Kramer to get in the Hall of Fame. If guys go in, Chris, on the first ballot, they're honored, of course, but everybody knows they're going in. The ones that I like the most and the stories that I've got that are best are about the ones who have to wait a long time, maybe have almost given up hope and then they get in and for them and their families, you know, I get tears in my eyes. A lot of times I've gotten teary-eyed over people making Hall of Fame and their reaction. One of them was Curly Culp, the Oilers and Chiefs nose tackle. He was... I thought he was going to get in. He'd been the senior nominee, and we always rubber-stamped the senior. And he was supposed to come to the Super Bowl where they could announce him, and he was outside the airport in Austin with his wife, and I wouldn't let him go in because I needed quotes. So I had him on the phone as the names were being announced, and fortunately, they're in alphabetical order. He said, Curly Culpa. I said, Curly, you're in. I need quotes, and all I could hear was, He and his wife, Collette, just sobbing. And he told me later they were outside the airport hugging and crying, and people are walking by. I'm like, what in the heck is going on with this couple? And another one, the great cornerback Mel Renfro. Mel, uh, every year when the Hall of Fame came up, he'd been bypassed till it was his last year Mm -hmm. of modern eligibility, and he always went for a walk. And came in and found out he didn't make it. And I don't know why it took so long, but uh, he came back and he had taken a really long walk. And his wife had gotten worried that something had happened. He got hit by a car. He had a heart attack. He's in the hospital. So the family was frantic. And when he finally came home, it was after dark. And he opened the door, and his wife started crying. He said, "I know, I'm sorry. I took too long. It's because I know it's my last year, and I wasn't going to make it." Stop crying! And she's out of breath. No, no, no! You made it! You made it! (laughs) And they hugged each other, and they Mel said they sank to the ground on the floor, just hugging and crying. How can you not be touched? By stories like that,
0: yeah, and and it, that it means that much all these years later because of what they put into football, pro football, and and to be there enshrined with the other greats, their their, their Absolutely. colleagues, I well, and it is a great honor. Well, I'm just going to pitch because, and I don't know how these things work, but I know you're a guy who will follow up at least give a give a shout out or or a look at at Roman Gabriel, uh, first NFL quarterback, Filipino descent, Filipino American descent. Uh, you know, he played for the Rams. Uh, And then the the Eagles uh, was a most valuable player. He was a Pro Bowl a uh, player four or five. He was a passing leader. He led the NFL in touchdown passes a couple of years in the 70s. He was a comeback player of the year. I, You know, I know he didn't take a team to a Super Bowl, and I, I think I know how far you go back with, you know, the Rams. I mean, you're. you're well, I watched
1: the Rams, and I watched Roman Gabriel when I was young, and yeah. I always hated it when they played the Cowboys because they beat them a lot. I was a diehard Cowboy fan growing up in Waco, Texas, and I know what what a great player Roman Gabriel was and what a great team the Rams had
0: yeah in, a, in an era John of toughness you know today we know the rules have changed and that's why numbers are great in the passing offenses but but you're right he had but he you would see the look at the old NFL films video where you watched it when guys are hanging out, you know like Deacon Jones who invented the term sack would tear quarterbacks up who played on his team uh, until he went to the Eagles but just to have guys hanging on him and hitting him like they did a Carl Eller those Viking teams, uh, you know, talk about toughness for a guy at that position. But anyway, uh, that's that's my pitch. I, I, I think he's what 80 years old now. I I, I know he's uh, there's there's a there's a group of fans out there that are recalling his his days and and his numbers. So I know there's a lot of criteria we don't have time to get into. Before we let you go, I wanted to run through each of since you covered teams and have watched uh, the the remaining playoff matchups this weekend. Fans listening, I'm sure. Uh, those that are interested for other reasons give me your uh, give me your view and I know of course we could read your predictions or or hear them on your radio show Rams Packers though what what who takes this one and why
1: I think this one's going to be ugly Packers are a great team they're playing in Lambeau in January I remember when the Giants beat them in 07 on a field goal everybody was in shock Giants, of course, went on to win the Super Bowl. So I think the Packers are going to win this game handily. I'm really eager to see what the NFL's number one defense will have in store for Aaron Rodgers. And truthfully, I don't think it matters. Chris, can you imagine how many touchdown passes Rodgers would have thrown if the Packers had actually gotten him some receivers like everybody was wailing about before the season?
0: Yeah, Devontae Adams even missed four games, and look how many touchdowns he had, and, and the year you know that that, that he had. Uh, yeah, and of course they have an offensive line. You know, with Bakhtiari out, they have an injury there. I, I think I don't know. I think it'll be close. But all right, you got the Packers. How about Baltimore, Buffalo, the, the Bills? Everybody's on the Bills bandwagon. All you know, I mean, the Bills fans are loyal, and the Bills mafia. But I I go back a couple of years ago when I was sitting with Josh Allen, and people want to run him out of town, or it was a bus for a top ten pick, and now everybody's on the bandwagon there. At least many people are the weren't before
1: best game of the weekend uh as someone who was in orchard park on january 3rd 1993 and watched the greatest comeback according to buffalo or choke according to houston i've always had a problem getting on the bills playoff bandwagon But after the Music City Miracle, where I also was, I've always felt sorry for the Bills. It's a great story. Think about this a year ago, Chris. Josh Allen and the Bills have blown a 16-0 lead against the Texans at NRG Stadium in the wildcard game. Allen did not play well in the second half. Deshaun Watson played great. And who would have known, Allen... Uh, led by his offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, who's going to get a head coaching job, would bounce back like they have. Been averaging, I think, 38 points in their last six-game winning streak. I think that if the weather's bad and there's snow, which there's supposed to be snow, they need to run the ball better. Baltimore is the best running team in the NFL. And, of course, Lamar Jackson has a lot to do with it. But their line overcame the loss of Marshall Yanda, the great guard who will be in the Hall of Fame offensive tackle. Ronnie Stanley maybe the best left tackle in the league. And they continue to run the heck out of the ball. I think they have the best chance – to beat the Bills because they can keep Josh Allen on the bench with the running game. I picked Baltimore and New Orleans before the season. I picked the Saints to win. There was a point this season where I thought, well, maybe one of my teams will get in there. <laughs> New Orleans had no idea the Ravens would turn it around like they did. So I'm picking, I'm sticking with the Ravens. I'm picking the Ravens to upset the Bills.
0: Well, that's—I didn't think about that, but that you—you you were there in person to witness two of the greatest moments in NFL playoff history. You mentioned Music City Miracle and that tremendous comeback, uh, Frank Reich against your Houston team. So obviously, you like the Saints to beat the Bucks for a third straight time this year, even though the Bucks are playing a little better football. Brady's more in a rhythm, and the Saints have kind of been sitting around, but uh, you still like New Orleans there.
1: Nope, I like the Bucks to win. I know there's really? a lot of teams that have won three over another team in one season but it's the Brady factor I think that the the as much as we'd like to see Drew Brees win and go out as a champion before he goes to NBC I think Brady and the Bucks are going to win this game because he's got the best chance of winning at Lambeau Field because he's used to playing outside the weather doesn't bother him and he's got more weapons than he's ever had so the poor old saints i hope they don't win, lose on the last play you know they, <laughs> yeah, they are jinxed in yeah. the playoffs like no team i've seen in these last three years yeah. i'd love to see them win but i'm going with tampa bay
0: yeah there's some voodoo curse or something going on there all right and browns chiefs you like
1: i think the browns are the greatest story in the nfl this year because it's been so long i was there for the last time they were in the playoffs which was uh, they lost in Hinesville despite a 400-yard performance by quarterback Kelly Holcomb, and I think the dream is coming to an end. The Chiefs the Chiefs have not won a game by double digits since early in the season, but it's almost, Chris, like they've been bored. They've been like a cat toying with the mouse, and I think they're going to turn it on now and go for that second Super Bowl in a row. All
0: right, and then uh, the short answer here, J.J. Watt, does he finish his career as a Texan?
1: I've said all along I thought he would be back one year left on his contract, $17 million. I thought they'd given him an extension of a couple of years to lower the cap figure. Now Nick Casario's here, general manager. Patriots didn't keep a lot of older guys making that kind of money. So I'm going to say he's gone.
0: Wow. All right. That's a, that, that's a scoop. And Dable, I agree head coach somewhere in the NFL. Where's the best fit for Brian Dable. Do you think? I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of quarterbacks out there. That Everybody
1: they... says he's going to the chargers because of his longtime relationship with GM Tom Telesco going back to high school. Uh, his agent is Bob Lamont. That's the agent for Nick Casario. Dable went to the Patriots in 2000 as a gopher Casario a year later Dable's been there two different times, won five Super Bowl rings. Casario knows him very well. I'd love to see Dable here, but I think he's destined for the Chargers.
0: All right. The, uh, currently the offensive coordinator with Buffalo did a great job with uh, Josh Allen. Always a pleasure uh, talking to you as the years go by. Uh, John McClain, thank you for being on CMI. Chris Myers' interview on the podcast. You take care. Have a great 2021.
1: Chris, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Happy New Year and stay safe.
0: Thanks for listening to CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.